she's only gonna be two once. And that's what was important to me was, yes, I had this great paying job, but I wasn't home to enjoy it with my own kid. So what's the point in having this amazing job if I'm not gonna be here? You're listening to Disrupting Balance, the podcast, where we are busting myths and breaking balance. Here's stories from women who are pushing boundaries to navigate the decisions and changes that come with work, womanhood, and winning. I'm your host, Hanifa Barnes, speaker, decision strategist, and master imbalancepreneur. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Today in the guest chair, we have Desiree Wolf. She's a sales and marketing professional who spent 20 years in the event industry. She's sassy, vibrant, and slightly unfiltered. Her passion for fostering connections between women has helped to strengthen her mindset and shift her narrative from being bossy to being a leader. Along the way, she trusted herself to take a second chance at love while dealing with the emotional roller coaster of raising children redefining self-care, and building a business. Let's get started. Hello, Desiree, and thank you so much for joining Disrupting Balance, the podcast. I am so glad you're here today. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, I'm excited. And as you know, from our previous conversation, Disrupting Balance is a platform where women share their stories of how they've disrupted balance to navigate the changes and decisions in work, womanhood, and winning. So let's begin by telling me, what is your story? Wow, my story. I feel like this is one of those loaded questions of where do I begin? You know, since we only have so much time, my story is that I am a mom, I'm a working woman, I am a wife, Um, I am what looks like on the outside to just be your typical woman. Um, I have ran my own business, I have climbed the corporate ladder, I walked out of the corporate ladder, I... You know, I've just been on this wild adventure of of just enjoying life. Um, you know, I've I've started a couple new adventures of of my own podcast to do on the side, and and you know, I'm an event person, so life is life is always a little bit crazy. So I I think the um, the whole concept of of balance and disrupting balance. Oh, girl, I I saw the description of your show and I went, yes, these are my people. <laughs> I'm so glad. And speaking of that, you just mentioned life being crazy, but you said it with such, you know, there was a joy and kind of a resolve. And when people first hear crazy, they think a negative. But tell me about your crazy and how you're able to express it in such a positive way. I love crazy. And I know that in itself sounds a little bizarre. Like most people are kind of, you know, I just want everything calm and quiet. To me, means there's when things are crazy, that means there's progress in life happening. That means, uh, you know, 
people, whether it's me or, or people in my house, my family, it means things are happening for us. So I embrace crazy. I think it makes life interesting. And I think it helps us grow as people as we figure out how to navigate the crazy that comes up. Um, I, you know, I believe in looking at kind of the silver lining. I don't necessarily bury my head, but like I said, I embrace the crazy and I look for what's the adventure in this and what am I going to learn from it? That's great. So, uh, and for those of you listening, crazy is also what I would, you know, equate with this imbalance because so often we want to ascribe to this work-life balance when really we should embrace the imbalance and embrace the crazy. But we know there are challenges in the crazy, right? So in, in, in our conversation, you mentioned some of those challenges. Let's talk about when you had that dream job. Well, I had several years ago, I worked for an adult toy company. Um, our, field, our sales field was actually uh, women who did in-home parties. So I was with that company for almost six years. And it was a great job. I, I loved being part of their events, but I felt like I was ready for something else. I was ready for um, to go to, to blossom into the next phase of my career. And I had the opportunity to become uh, a sales and conference manager for a small hotel here in Vegas where I live. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I would be building the entire department. I would be building all the menus, the process. This was a dream. This was the perfect step for me in life. And I... I accepted with enthusiasm. I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be rolling in the money. I'm going to become this great, you know, <laughs> hotel sales director and all this kind of stuff. And and I, I started working at the job and about two weeks in, I thought, uh-oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. So, you know, here I left this super comfortable job. I had just bought a house as a single mom um, and I'm starting this new adventure that just weeks into it turned out to be almost a nightmare. I was really struggling with what do I do? Um, you know, I'm a single mom with a, with a two-year-old. I just started this job. I don't know what to do. I, so I kind of just took on the attitude. I just got to suck it up. This is just where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And about a week later, I had worked about 60 hours and I... I made the decision, you know, as a manager, I made the decision I was going to go in a little bit later that morning after working until two o'clock in the morning. I was going to go in a little bit later and the new GM comes in and he sits his butt down at my desk and he goes, well, you know, we need you here at nine in the morning. And I go, I was here until, you know, one thirty, two o'clock this morning. I'm a single mom. I, I had to get my daughter up and going this morning. He's like, well, if you can't be here at nine o'clock, then it's going to be an issue. So I looked right at the guy and I go, well, then I quit. And he just kind of looked at me. I packed up all my stuff and walked right out of the office and never thought twice about it. <laughs> that is so bold. It's brave. Like, I know you did it in the moment, but before that, did you feel any kind of process in your mind? Like, how were you able to make that decision? The, the process came when my daughter had looked at me a couple nights before and she said something along the lines of mommy are you going to be gone a long time again 
How many, how many days, how many days am I going to be at Nanny's house? And, and Nanny is her grandmother. So I thought, that's heartbreaking. She, you know, it's, it's obviously a big deal for her. She's asking me. And that's what, what kind of made me realize, you know what? She's only going to be two once. And that's what was important to me was, yes, I had this great paying job, but I wasn't home to enjoy it with my own kid. So what's the point in having this amazing job if I'm not going to be here? So did you find that after the fact, after you said it, after you packed up, packed up and you were gone, did you feel any remorse for that process? Or do you think I should have said this or I could have done this? Like, what were you thinking after the fact when it all became a reality? When it all became a reality, I never felt a drop of remorse. I knew I did the right thing. I was scared hoopless out of my pants of, oh, oh crap, you know, oh crap, what the hell did I just do and how am I going to pay my mortgage that's due in two weeks, you know? But I never felt like I made a wrong decision. Um, You know, I just knew that, okay, you know what, this is the decision you made. What's next? What do we got to do next to to move forward? Yeah. So what did you do next? <laughs> well, I I hustled like I've never hustled my little pants off before. Um, I started reaching out to connections. I started, you know, I applied to every job in town, and and after about two months, I you know I was lining up interviews, and and luckily I had a little bit of savings set aside, so I, I had a little bit of a financial cushion, but I knew. that was going to run out very soon. Um, So while I was waiting for the job market to kind of open up and and start hiring, I was lucky enough that I I reconnected with an old colleague from a previous job who had started her own business. She was um, a personal development coach. And she had reached out and she said, I'm going to be in Vegas for, um, you know, this, this, sales conference or whatever she was coming in town for. She goes, you want to grab lunch? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So she sat down. She goes, okay, it's been, you know, two or three years since we've actually chatted with each other. What's going on? And I said, well, you know, I'm currently looking for work. And her eyes lit up. She goes, you are? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, why? (laughs) She said, because I need marketing help. I need somebody who's tech savvy. I need somebody who understands the industry. Um, she goes, you know, it's, it's not much and it's going to start off as part-time, but are you interested? And I was like, heck yeah. And then she said, you know what? I'm going to buy you a ticket to this sales conference I'm attending. Are you available tomorrow to join me? I was like, oh my gosh, this is a dream. This is a dream come true right here. And, you know, I didn't even know it was a dream of mine. So she really was able to open the doors for me as far as working from home and, and getting my feet wet on what that looked like. And that rolled actually into me starting my own business and being coming, becoming a coach myself just a year later. Amazing. So let's walk back yeah. a little bit because you talked about this two-month process when you were looking for work, using your network, and reaching out to folks. And so now when you hear it, it sounds like, wow, that's amazing. But when you were going through those two months, you didn't know it was going to be two months. What were the two months like for you, like from a, an emotional perspective, being a mother and just dealing with all of the things like your your finances? How were you dealing with this? I was, it, it was an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. I don't want to say that I was an emotional wreck, but there were some days that I thought I just made, you know, I made a huge mistake, not necessarily with the job, but this isn't, ha- this is not the responsible way I should have quit my job, you know? <laughs> I And I think I went through all the, the emotions of, 
you know, how dare you? Who do you think you are? You should have sucked it up. That's what grownups do to, yeah, girl, you did exactly what you had to do. Don't put up with no one's shit. So I think I ran the whole gamut of, you know, this, this cheering myself on, beating myself up, cheering myself on, beating myself up. And then I, then on the, the professional side of it, I went through the whole gamut of, do I get a job? Do I try and, you know, become a freelancer? You know, what is it for me? So I really just kind of threw everything out there. I was like, okay, I'm just going to throw it all in the wind and see what sticks at this point. Something's got to give, you know? So it it was definitely an emotional roller coaster of emotions. It was just, you know, like I said, I, I went from A to Z every day. I woke up in one great mood, ready to take on the world. By lunch, I was crying, you know, and then the next day it was the opposite. I woke up, I don't want to get out of bed. But by three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, I'm like, I'll build a website. I've never done it, but I'll do it. You know, so. <laughs> that is so that's just the beauty of embracing the imbalance and everything you're saying I can relate to. I've been there. But what's beautiful about that two month process and other similar processes is that you just kept pushing forward, right? You just keep pushing forward and just like you say, I'm going to suck it up. It doesn't mean you're not going to deal with the ebbs and flows of your emotions. So let's talk about the business. So you you touched on that. Tell me about starting a business and what that looked like for you. Sure. Well, because of the role that I had had taken on, um, you know, with with this gal, Dana, that, you know, was a personal development coach, I was lucky enough that I... I started my own business kind of as a need. So I was actually a marketing virtual assistant was kind of my first role. I was helping um, solo entrepreneurs, especially in that personal development space. I was helping them put marketing marketing plans together, um, you know, doing social media, helping them write emails, get their marketing, their automations going, that kind of thing. And it was it was Dana who actually said to me, she goes, you know, you're great at the doing, but you're really good at the showing people. Why aren't you coaching? And I was like, I've never really thought about it. She goes, yeah, hello. And so it, it evolved into, you know, done for you, into done with you. And then it evolved even the next step of marketing mindset you know, getting your head in the right space to be able to do sales and marketing, understanding the concepts behind it and that kind of stuff. So it really turned into, you know, here, I, here I'm kind of an admin and it evolved into now I'm coaching business owners on how to understand, you know, marketing and personalities. Mm-hmm. So it was really a great evolvement and it was, it, it provided me with a lot of personal growth as well. Yeah, that is great. It sounds like Dana was pivotal in kind of this transition and this shift for you. So did you find at any point in um, her involvement in the process, did you feel like at any point, look, I don't know what she's saying. I don't know what she's talking about. I can't do this. Did you doubt what she was saying? Like, how did you deal with that whole conversation when she was kind of guiding you through the process? I had a lot of doubt. I had never done any kind of coaching or teaching before at that point. I had always been the support person, the behind the scenes person, the plans, the you know Excel spreadsheets, that kind of stuff. So it was new waters for me. Um, so I definitely had a lot of doubt. The, the great thing is, is that I had at that point, I had already started doing a lot of mindset work for myself. Mm. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd pull out notes that I kept from people who said I did a great job. You know, I 
did even a silly thing once and, and pulled out an old school report card, you know, things, things that gave me that confidence booster. Um, and that, and that's kind of what I would fall back on, but I definitely had the doubt of there's no way I can do this. Yeah. So how did you know to do this mindset work? Because that is, I think, key for a lot of women is really getting it in your mind and your thought that you can do this. So how did you know to do the mindset work and where did you get the tools and strategies? Like the idea of pulling out a report card is really good. Well, a lot of it did come from Dana, who who was my mentor, and and she did a lot of mindset training. A lot of it also was, I think, growing up, my mom was always she was a very rational person most of the time. Um, you know, she she had her mom moments, but there, you know, she always taught me there, there's a lesson in everything to be learned. So let's, let's examine the situation is what my mom used to say. So I think that was the original groundwork of look at, look inside when you're starting to feel like you can't do this. There's a reason why let's figure it out. Um, so I think that was a huge part of it. And I've always been interested in what makes people tick. So I kind of turned it on myself. Okay. Why am I having this self-doubt? What's going on here? I think that was a question I asked myself a lot, especially in that phase of life. What's going on here? <laughs> I totally get it. I mean, examining yourself is, is very important to kind of to progression and moving forward. So you've done your mindset work. Dana's inspiring you. You're pushing forward. But then the business is happening and it's growing. But then you realize that maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. So what was going on in your life when you got to that point? I had been working from home for almost two and a half years, almost three years at that point. Um, And my daughter's father and I decided to start dating again. We had separated and baby number two came along. And that's when there was a huge shift of where I was able to focus my energy. I really thought... Well, I work from home already. How hard can this be taking care of a brand new baby and working? In fact, you know, I had several clients who were like, oh, you know what? Don't worry. Take your time off when the baby comes, that kind of thing. And I was like, no, 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 I'm ready. It's been two weeks. Let's get back to work now. You know, and and I would be sitting at my desk, you know, baby in lap, breastfeeding while I'm on conference calls and this kind of stuff. And I thought, man, I'm freaking superwoman, you know, and, and about, I would say, six months once he started to get a little mobile and he needed, you know, a little bit more attention, that kind of stuff, I really started struggling. Mm -hmm. And it became, it became a mental struggle as well as a physical struggle to be able to balance everything. Mm -hmm. I now had, you know, my daughter was now starting elementary school. Mm -hmm. I had a man move into my house. Mm -hmm. I had a baby. Mm -hmm. So I was having to make all of these adjustments Mm -hmm. And I was running out of the energy to keep my business going. So it really started becoming, it, it was it was almost a light level of, of depression. Yeah. And my business actually became an enemy of mine. I don't want to work on the business. I'm not making enough money, you know, and it was everybody else's fault for a long time. Yeah. The, you know, it's the baby's fault. It's the husband's fault. It's the kid's fault. You know, nobody gives me quiet time. I can't work around here. And it just, it really did become it really started to become depressing. And I was really struggling with this 
quest of perfect balance. I really thought I should be able to have it all. I work from home. What am I complaining for? And yeah, it, it really, it really became a struggle of being mentally present for all aspects of my business while working from home. Yeah. I remember feeling that during a time I was working full time and trying to go to school. And I remember being angry all the time. That was my state of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm wondering what were the effects, like the physical and emotional effects on you? Some things that resonated with you that, you know, you know, you never want to go back there. Cause I know, I know those things in my mind where I never want to go back to it. What are the things physically and emotionally resonated? It's funny you bring up being angry because I went to a place of anger too. Um, I lost my patience for a lot of things. I would yell at the kids for, you know, doing very silly things. Um, I yelled at the husband for doing very silly things. It's just, and it was like, yeah, it was like the short nerves. Um, And it actually, it did start to physically take its wear on me. I started getting like weird skin rashes. I wasn't sleeping. Um, you know, I was gaining weight in really weird places and, you know, it just, it's, it started to show, um, I started getting headaches more and more frequently because I was trying to like suppress this depression that I was, that I was fighting Mm -hmm. and it just, it, it took its toll both physically and mentally after a while. Yeah. Did you get any, did you feel the need to get professional help or did you just work through it or talk to your mom or talk to a religious leader? How did you kind of push and work through that? A little bit of all of the above. Um, I ended up actually coming across, uh, at the time she was considered a business development coach. She has kind of pivoted into doing a little bit more personal development, Mm -hmm. but I ended up, I, I was listening to her do a live stream somewhere and I was like, oh, this lady's awesome. And I started listening to her more and more. And she talks about, you know, your your, she calls them your inner Hildas. And um, it's the voices in your head that talk mm-hmm. you out of doing things you want to do or talk you into, you know, oh, you can sit on the couch for 20 more minutes. You know, you can watch another episode on Netflix. Yes. And, you know, I reached out to her and I said, hey, I think I need a coaching session. And so, you know, I jumped on a, on a call with her and, and she really helped me realize that I had, I had lost sight of what my big picture dreams was. I was so wrapped up in the tasks that I had to get done, the laundry, the email to, or the work to do list, the emails I had to answer. I was so wrapped up in that day-to-day minutia that I forgot what my big picture was, what that, what that goal, what that dream was. And so she really helped me. And she's actually one of the people who, when I decided that maybe it's time that, you know, I go back to work and in a professional job setting outside of the house. She was actually one of the people who encouraged me and said, you know what? I think this would be a good thing for you. Hmm. Lost sight of the big picture. I kind of want to stay there a minute because that's a nerve for me. Because (laughs) I'm constantly trying to fight to make sure I can see the picture. And Mm -hmm. that also works against me because I'm fighting to always see the picture. Yeah. So that big picture, when she said big picture, what did she mean by that? The big picture for me is what What am I kind of doing all of this for? Mm. And, you know, not necessarily, you know, like, oh, I want to make, you know, $3,000 a month or something like that. It was, it was more of kind of like, 
what's what gets me excited that's big picture you know what's what's the overall joy what am i doing to and i hate using the phrase to make a difference but really that's what it is is how do you want to make a difference yeah. what legacy do you want to leave is yeah. what she asked me and i thought wow that's a great question hmm. you know we get we get so caught up in in the day to day to do list that i think we forget of this is this is my dream this is what i want to be doing yeah. So how did you reclaim that? I mean, how did you, did you journal? Did she give you like exercises? How did you kind of find your way back to the big picture? Yeah, she did. She has, she has a great picture or a great exercise and it is, it is called the big picture. And she walks you through several stages of, you know, how do you, how do you want to feel? Um, you know, what, what is the difference that you want to make? If you were to close your eyes and you could picture yourself doing anything, what is it? And that was a huge aha for me because I got so wrapped up in, I just need to get all the things done, (laughs) you know, you know, and it was like, for what, you know, what would light me up? That's a question she likes to ask all the time. What gets you smiling? And I thought, I don't know. And the fact that I couldn't answer that when I first started working with her was really, that was, that in itself was big for me. Yeah. Because I think I was so busy trying to find that almighty balance in life of this is, you know, I've got the kids and the job or the business and everything's great. And I sleep, you know, eight hours a day and I work eight hours at my desk and I love my kids. And, you know, I was on the quest for that. And yeah. I completely forgot what was what was it that was going to light me up and make me happy. Well, you touched on this earlier with go, um, you and your partner. Mm-hmm. you know, at a yes. point. I want to talk about that and talking, talk about kind of reconciliation and when you trust yourself and you trust the second time around, what was that like for you? It was scary. You know, we've had our ups and downs. We've known each other for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived in separate states. He was engaged to somebody else at one point. We went a couple years without even talking to each other. And then, um, you know, we were we were seriously dating when our daughter came along. And, and we even tried living together, you know, shortly after she was born. And, and life happened. And we both realized that, you know, we still had our own things that we need to deal with. And we agreed to co-parent. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, she stayed over at his house a couple days out of the week. She stayed at mine a couple days a week. It, it was actually working really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't start off so well because we had to work out the the hiccups. But once we got into a groove, it was actually working out really well. Yeah. And he he was dropping her off or picking her up one day. And he goes, I, I think out of all of this, I kind of just miss being your friend. Yeah. And I went, yeah, I miss that too. I miss just sitting down and having a beer together and just talking about everything that's going on. And he's like, it kind of sucks that we can't be that way because now we have different roles. Mm -hmm. And he actually, and I go, you know what? You're absolutely right. And I go, and you know, and I kind of left it at that. And I thought he was leaving and he turns around and he goes, you want to grab a beer with me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I I didn't even hesitate. I was like, yeah, sure. And and he goes, okay, uh, Saturday at two o'clock, I'm going to pick you up and we're going to go have a beer together. I was like, okay, cool. See you then. We actually, uh, we ride four wheelers. So he said, we're going to go riding. Let's just go out to the desert. We'll go out riding. And we get back to the trailer after a ride. And he, he has in the back of the trailer, he has two lawn chairs and a cooler with a bottle of wine in it. And he goes, I just want us to spend time together. I miss you as 
as someone in my life. I miss you as my friend. It just all kind of felt right at that point. Um, Had I listened to my friends and family, I wouldn't have got back together with them. They all said, he's horrible for you. You know, you guys just keep co-parenting together. You'll be just fine. You're stupid if you get back together with him. Um, And then, you know, 10 months later, we had baby number two. And that was seven and a half years ago. And you're still rocking and rolling. We are still rocking and rolling. We've we've gone through more together in the last seven years than I think we have combined in the 20 years we've known each other. Yeah. So when he asked you about going to grab a beer, did you and your mom, did you think anything of that? Or was it just like, okay, yeah, this is my friend. We have a child together. We were friends for so long. Like, what were your thoughts when he asked you? Were there any preconceived (laughs) ideas? After after I said yes, I thought to myself, you idiot. <laughs> You're just going to get your heart broken. Why did you agree to do that? <laughs> That's a lot of trust, right? Like for you to It it, it is a lot of trust. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and I'm very guarded when it comes to relationships. It takes a lot for me to get to that point where I can trust somebody once they've 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 either hurt me or we've yeah. you know gone through some bad stuff together. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot to get that back. There's something about him and his smile and the way he asked for a beer that it, you know it was like okay maybe I can maybe I can trust him again. We've got a lot of history together, so it was definitely it was not just a hey this is amazing we work things out you know run off into the sunset together. Yeah, I want to know about your self care because you've gone through some things like with your kids and your partner and your jobs and your health. And now you're at a point where you probably understand who you are a little better. I, you mm-hmm. know, I feel that way about myself. What are some yeah. of your non-negotiables when it comes to your self-care and what does that routine look like for you? Self-care is a funny thing that I have. I've had a love-hate relationship with self-care. I used to especially when my kids were smaller, I used to think self-care meant you were being selfish. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that for a long time. I thought, you know, I don't have time to go get my nails done. That's what self-care must be. Go get going and getting a massage, getting your nails done, getting your hair done. Number one, those things aren't interesting to me. So I thought I don't need self-care because I don't like what that looks like. That's not for me. So I really struggled with that. And then I went to the whole extreme of I would go sit outside in the morning and try and meditate. If you've ever tried to get a Gemini extrovert to sit still for longer than five minutes and quote unquote clear her mind, it's like wrangling wild kittens. Um, so I, I was like, my gosh, I don't like getting my nails done. I can't meditate. What the heck am I supposed to do? And I finally realized self-care for means something different for everybody. And you, you have to figure out what, what does that, what does that feel like? And for me, it was something as simple as in the morning when I'm getting ready, that's my time. I go take a shower, you know, I take a while to get ready because I might be spending a few minutes after the shower scrolling Facebook, or I'm going to turn on some music. And so I might spend an hour and a half, not because I'm high maintenance and wear a ton of makeup, but because I've kind of claimed that as this is my time. And I've even sort of trained my family, 
hey, when mom's, you know, in the bathroom or mom's taking a shower, that's her space. Good for you. So they've actually started realizing that. Like, they'll peek their head in and be like, how much longer? I think sometimes it's just time. It's yeah. just, you know, 20 or 30 minutes to yourself in a space that that makes you happy. Yeah. So that's interesting because you had to kind of define self-care for you because you framed it initially as all these things you thought it meant, right? Yeah. So in yeah. defining it for yourself, you were able to kind of carve out that space for yourself, which is great. So I want to jump into, because all of this kind of falls on that under your umbrella of Slightly Unfiltered, which is an amazing, amazing name. Let's Thank talk you. Let's about Slightly <laughs> Unfiltered and your business and your platform and what that is and how women can benefit. Sure. Slightly Unfiltered is a brand that evolved um on a group coaching call with my with my coach, Coach Jenny, we were trying to figure out what is this personal brand of mine. Um, I've I've been rolling around with different ideas. Should I become an you know independent event planner because that's my background? And and everyone in the group, uh, you know, they've been kind of part of my mastermind for a couple of years now. And they're like, Desiree, that all sounds great. You must be really good at it. But that is not you. You need a platform that you can express your very outgoing and unfiltered personality. And it was just kind of in that conversation. I was like, well, but I don't want to be like, I don't want to use the word unfiltered like I'm raunchy because that's not me either. And I went, I'm just kind of slightly unfiltered. I just like to drop the F-bomb. And I, I my whole face must have lit up when I said that. And they're like, Desiree, that's it. Wow. That's, that's what embodies you is the phrase slightly unfiltered. Yeah. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time with that and what does that look like? Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's really a phrase that, that means, you know, you don't have to be over the top. You don't have to be one of those loud women that, you know, screams from the stage, look at me, look at me. Mm-hmm. Slightly unfiltered is somebody who has a story to share, mm-hmm. something they want to say that breaks the normal, mm-hmm. you know, vision of what they, they're being told that they should be. Mm-hmm. So Slightly Unfiltered is really a way to tell your story in your own words. Yeah. So being Slightly Unfiltered, how does that work with your girlfriend? Because I know <laughs> are are valuable to you based on what I understand. So tell me how that works with your girlfriends. My girlfriends encourage me to be slightly unfiltered. Um, they they are my they they're probably my biggest um, motivators to yeah. to let my unfilteredness out in the world. Um, you know, whenever there's a, a new comedian that's on Netflix or whatever, I'll always get one of my girlfriends. She she's always like, "You got to watch this girl because she's almost as funny as you." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, that's awesome." So you know, I think girlfriends are super important to help me maintain that slightly unfiltered. Yeah. And so, do you schedule girlfriend time, or is it just kind of you know sporadic? I mean, how do you do that? I'm learning that scheduling girlfriend time is actually very important. Um, You know, especially being a mom and most of my girlfriends are moms. We, we, how many times do we play the game of, Oh, we should get together soon. (laughs) And then years go by and nobody's gotten together. (laughs) So I think we, you know, we finally discovered that, Hey, if we put it on the calendar and make it an appointment, we all know how to show up to appointments because that's what moms live for. So 
so we put it on the calendar and we, you know, we make it an appointment. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, a girlfriend of mine who, who lives in a completely different state, we've now scheduled Friday morning coffee chats and we spend about an hour doing a zoom call with each other, just catching up on life. Yeah. It has been, especially, you know, through all the, the changes and, and everything that's going on, you know, kind of in the world today, yeah. it has been so pivotal, pivotal in helping me maintain, you know, some sort of sanity and some sort of connection too. I think that connection is what's really important. Just staying connected with other women. Yeah. Cause I, that was going to be my next question is how are you doing girlfriend time in the midst of this pandemic? So you've got this schedule coffee chat, right? Yep. Yep. How else are, are you scheduling other chats with other girlfriends or, I mean, how are you doing that? Are you guys driving honking at each other like <laughs> we ha- we have done that i actually i actually have um a girlfriend who lives a couple blocks away and and i hadn't seen her but we we go out walk me and the kids take the dogs walking every afternoon and she happened to be out in her garage i was like hey girlfriend i'm gonna come say hi to you from the end of your driveway i promise not to get too close yeah. you know so it was, it, it's it's an adjustment yeah. but Thank you know I'm so thankful for technology like Facebook where it yeah. feels like we're we're just a message away and I have two girlfriends we actually call our chat group the three angry wives and um, we just kind of we just chat with each other gosh 24 hours a day there's one of us that's sending a message and we just kind we just know that sooner or later the other two will either wake up or be at their phone or whatever and and continue the conversation so it's just it's always one just continuous conversation and it's great it's it's you know two people that i know that'll always be there for me that is good i mean when i'm talking to you i just hear so much of that joy or that big picture in your energy and it's just so pleasant and i'm like what is driving that like today when you got up i mean what drove you to have that energy? Because you just sound, even when we talked earlier in the pre-call, <laughs> you just sound just so joyful. What is it? Well, I'm not always like this. So no, <laughs> um, it's Kahlua in my coffee. That's what, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I just, conversations like this yeah. really light me up. Yeah. I love connecting with other women who kind of have similar mission of like, let's get rid of the norm. Let's yeah. ditch the bullshit of what everybody thinks we should be doing. And, and you know, this this whole quest for perfect balance, yeah. that's, you know, it's, it's tapping into that big picture really is what it is. So whenever I'm talking to anybody about, you know, what is it that you want to do in life or what's your dream job? Like, I get weird and excited about that yeah. kind of stuff. So it's, you know, whenever I think about having these kinds of conversations, it, it really does light me up and and get me into that place of, I gotta, you know, I gotta say this because if I'm feeling this, there's gotta be somebody else feeling it too. I want to understand your decision-making process because as you've talked, there are a lot of key moments where you transitioned and some Mm -hmm. decisions were made like on the spot, but you talked about having kind of some background information to help make the decisions. Just tell me in general about your decision-making process. Is it something that you just take your time and you think about and you map it out or you just go for it and think about the consequences later? What is your general approach to decision-making? 
You know what's funny is I've I've done both approaches. Um, obviously, when I walked out of a job and didn't have a backup plan, that that was not premeditated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's sometimes where I'll look at something and and I sit on the you know having to make a decision forever. Mm-hmm. So I really sometimes I think the decisions of where I don't think about the consequences end up being the best ones. That's, that's really pivoted a lot though. Now that I've got three other humans that live in my house that rely on me. Um, so I really am a pros and cons kind of person. Okay. So if this is, if we go this way, this is what it's going to look like. If we go this way, this is what it's going to look like. Or if we don't take any action, here's the consequences of what's going to happen. So I, I'm, I'm a list maker. I love to sit and figure out what things are, yeah. but I have to make sure that I don't sit in that space too long mm-hmm. or I usually go into indecision mode and I, I just can't make a decision at all. Oh, interesting. Can yeah. You, let me, let's get into that a little What Like if you can think of a time when that happened where you sat in it too long and you became indecisive, what was that moment? What did it look like? I do that a lot with the professional side okay. where uh, where I think, okay, maybe it's time to quit this job. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to look for another job. Mm-hmm. Um, I sit with that for a long time. I, I did it with, um, you know, thinking about starting another business. Well, I, I sat on the idea of a podcast for two years. Mm-hmm. This whole slightly unfiltered idea just kind of sat there. I, there's a lot of reasons why I didn't move forward on it. You know, a big one was fear. What if I put myself out there and I get haters? What yes. if people don't like what I'm saying? Or even worse, what if I put myself out there and nobody listens? I tend to waver a lot in in professional decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, what does the next business look like for me? Or what does the next stage of what I want to do look like for me? Mm-hmm. So I just have to make sure that I, you know, the, one of the questions I have to ask myself of, am I staying here because it's comfortable? Or am I staying here because I'm afraid the next step is uncomfortable? Yes. So, and I think there's a big difference that you have to look at. People stay in situations that maybe necessarily aren't the best for them, not necessarily because they're comfortable, but because they're afraid the next step is going to be more uncomfortable. So, you know, that's where I kind of, I get stuck in that zone of, well, I don't don't really like where I'm at, but what if what I do next is worse? So what is your dream opportunity? Mm, That is such a good question. I want to be the next Oprah. And I know that sounds so cliche. I don't necessarily have to be on a stage interviewing people, but I love conversation. I love getting into people's brain and, and, you know, conversations just like this and, and what's, what's, you know, so-and-so's words of wisdom and what have you been through and what's, what can you teach us? That kind of thing. You know, so I think just sharing, sharing that and sharing other people would be amazing for me. Like I I would love to walk out on stage and everybody goes, it's Desiree. Yay. That's what I think my big picture is, you know, just, just being that personality that, that can help light people up and inspire them to take action in their own life. What weakness has become your greatest strength? I would actually say my my ability to lead. And I say that that was a weakness because I used to fall into the category of being bossy. I used to like to tell people what to do until I learned how to pivot that and become more of a leader in the way that I speak to people. Instead of talking at them, I now talk with them. I, Desiree Wolf, am disrupting balance by encouraging women to break the rules and ditch the BS. 
Thank you for listening to Disrupting Balance. To learn more about how I'm disrupting balance, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Disrupting Balance. You can also check out my website at www.disruptingbalance.com to get podcast updates and news from the Balance Disruptor community about how you can become your very own master in balancepreneur. Talk soon.